Growing your business is tough, but don't worry, we've got you covered. We interview industry experts on how they've solved their most challenging business problems in SaaS or e-commerce. No fluff, just step-by-step playbooks to help you dominate your market and crush the competition. This is the How We Solve podcast. Here's your host. Hey, it's GQ here, and thanks a lot for tuning in to the How We Solve podcast. Today, I have with me Michael Hansen, who is the founder of Growth Genie, a sales consultancy that empowers B2B sales teams to have better conversations and get the attention of their ideal customers. Michael, welcome to the show. Thanks for the invite, GQ. Look forward to the discussion today. All right. I, I bet there's a lot to discuss around this because uh, we we had a brief conversation over this, but I don't want to spoil. <laughs> I don't want to spoil the interview, so we'll dive into that very shortly. Now, one of my favorite questions to ask people on the show is, "How did you get started with your business? What was the inspiration? You know, how did it all begin?" Yeah, I think that's a, a great first question because I think you know every business starts with a problem, and actually, when we're onboarding a company, that's the first thing we ask. Like, what was the story of your business? What, what problem were you, were you trying to solve? And uh, in our case, so I come from, you know, quite a similar background to you in the sense that um, I helped scale uh, an outsourcing business. So I was kind of employee 10. We did essentially outsourced SDR services, majority out of Colombia. So I was employee 10 at the start. It was pretty much myself and the CEO doing sales and marketing. As the company grew, the CEO kind of took more of a CEO hat. So I was kind of running sales and marketing. And then we grew the business from like 10 to 200 employees in three years. So that in itself was very interesting. But what was even more interesting actually was like on the operational side, because we had all these different clients across industries. And I was seeing what was working and what wasn't working in terms of outbound. And I realized that actually being an SDR is like a really hard role. And I feel like sales is kind of the wrong way around in the sense that often the SDR is seen as like the junior person. But to get someone who's never heard of your company before and trying to get them on a sales meeting to me is a much harder skill than actually like closing a deal of an inbound lead where they're kind of already ready to buy. So anyway, kind of what I realized through this process is that there's a lot of companies out there that are really struggling with the SDRs and they don't really give them enough attention so they're struggling with like the messaging, the process, et cetera. So before we were doing the execution in my last company and now we help with the training, consulting, like empowering B2B sales teams, as you said, that's our goal. And um, yeah, predominantly working with SDRs, but actually there's a big push for like account executives to do their their own prospecting at the moment. So we're quite a young business, started in 29, September 2019, just before the pandemic. Actually, fortunately, um, it's, the pandemic's been good for us because there's a big push for outbound at the moment because people aren't able to do things like live events. Some inbounds dried up, so actually a lot of people are kind of pushing outbound at the moment. So yeah, that bit of a long-winded story there, but yeah, that's our story. Very cool. Very cool. No, and it's always helpful, like you said, because you know I think that other listeners on the show they're going to understand, like you know, what are some of the similar paths that they might have taken, like the, similar to yours, right? And so from there, they can obviously learn to figure things out. So. Today we're gonna be diving into obviously uh, the topic of sales because you're you know obviously you're an expert in that. So if you could share what's that specific challenge that we're gonna be talking about today? Yeah, sure. It's actually gonna be about how to to sell without ego, which I'm sure is gonna sound a bit hippie to to some people. But essentially, the number one thing that I see often with sales teams is there's certain emotions actually driven by their ego that are stopping them from selling, and they don't just stop you in sales; they stop they affect you in every part of your life, and you can never actually get rid of them. The ego is always going to be there. It's important to recognize when it comes about 
you can be like, okay, that's my ego. Now I'm going to focus on this. And we'll be talking about some of the antidotes later. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. So let's dive into the, how you can sell without ego. And I think this is obviously very, very crucial, you know, you know, right now, um, you know, with, with businesses that have a lot of B2B going on. So not overcoming this, but how, what, what will be the first step to take for anyone who's looking to, to adopt this new approach? Yeah, sure. So I'm actually going to start with kind of the, the negative side of the ego so that you can like recognize it. So we essentially identified eight things kind of stopping you from selling where your ego is getting in the way from you selling. And for us, selling, even like the term selling, right? Like people have a negative reputation of salespeople and salespeople are seen as, as sleazy, right? So you're always trying to get rid of that reputation. I think often that reputation is to do with the fact that the first one is, is desire, right? So that means you're interested in getting the sale and maybe in the case of an SDR, getting the meeting or getting the sale rather than actually focusing on, is this person a good fit? Is this company a good fit? And the only way you can do that is to actually find out more information about them. So that's actually the first one. And that's the, the most common one we see that people are focusing on the outcome rather than actually just having a conversation and getting to know, know someone because that's really what sales is about and like human relationships. Second one is fear. So the classic one is fear because naturally in sales, especially outbound sales, you like interrupt people's days. So if you're going to make a cold call or email or something, they go, this person's never heard of me. They're not going to want to hear from me. That's the second one. Third, third and fourth kind of go together. So it's anger and resentment. So often you feel angry because in sales, you get a lot more no's than yeses, right? You have to have very thick skin to be in sales. So often you get angry when someone's rude to you. Resentment is the fourth one, which follows anger. Because often if someone sends you a rude reply or hangs up, you resent them and you're like, oh, I don't want to speak to that person again and not think, oh, they may have been in a bad mood. Something's happened to their family. Fifth one is agitation, which is essentially anxiety. And that could often come from not hitting targets, you know. So, so I often make the comparison between like salespeople and athletes because I've often seen a lot of athletes again to sales. And it's the same, like some, you're always going to go through a bad period. You have a month where things aren't going well and often anxiety anxiety comes in at that point the same like footballers sometimes go through periods where they're not scoring goals even like the best in the world uh, and then lethargy which is essentially laziness so we all have those days where we wake up we you know can't be bothered to, to work or make calls for whatever reason doubt is it doubt is often related to the stuff i was talking about with anxiety where you're going through a bad period and you kind of doubt yourself and your selling skills and then finally the last one is pride so pride funnily enough is often seen as like a positive thing like you say oh, i'm proud of you to your kids or something like that but it, pride can actually be damaging because with pride often you're thinking about your own reputation or image and that often will prevent you from maybe getting in contact with someone that you need to for your for your job so those are essentially the the eight negative emotions that we've seen associated with the ego very cool it's kind of like what's that not seven deadly sins but there's like the eight deadly sins for for sales then <laughs> yeah, i like that analogy that's great very cool very cool i guess a lot of people will be guilty of some or sometimes if not all right and i think this is a natural natural reaction especially when you're when you're just maybe starting on sales or you know as you go on along the way you're not exactly sure how you can manage yourself when it comes to these let's just say different points that you've mentioned what are some of the antidotes or what are some of the ways to help you manage your ego yeah good question so i think the first thing to say before i list the antidotes is the ego is always going to be there so you can never get rid of the ego my goal here is not to say let's leave your ego to one side and you're gonna forget your ego because if you did that you'd probably travel off into into space and rest so there is a 
there is a place for your ego, but you've got to recognize when it's getting in the way of you doing your job. So essentially, once you feel those like emotions, like I was talking about last time, then you've got to say, okay, so the first one, right, was desire. So the way to get over desire is to stop focusing on the outcome. And the way you can do that is be is be curious. So think about who is this person? What company do they work for? What are they trying to achieve? What pain points do they have? And once you start to do that and have a conversation with them, it's actually much easier to, to sell. The second one we had was, was fear, so hope. So something I recommend is when you've been successful, right? So even now, right, I, I was always more of like an email and LinkedIn person. And actually my colleague, Lawrence, who I met at CloudTask, he got me into to cold calling. And now I really like calling because I've seen the effects of it. But now still, sometimes if I do like a power hour, that first call or that first connect, I get nervous. And sometimes I don't want a cold call. But then I think about all these customers that I brought into the business through through cold calling. And I think any salespeople out there listening, I recommend if you feel if you're feeling that fear, think about a time when you're actually um, successful. Maybe you're new in your role, so you haven't called before, you haven't closed any deals or got any meetings, to speak to someone in your company that has, and they can give you that hope to overcome fear. And then this, the third one, so actually the antidotes, there's only, only seven antidotes rather than the eight negative emotions. But the third one is both for two of them, for anger and resentment, which is forgiveness, right? So if someone responds to you and they're being rude, but you still think they're a good fit, still go back to them, be forgiving, because often people are like busy or they're in a bad mood or something's happening in their personal life that you're not aware of. So forgiveness can actually help you in, in sales. And we've got a ton of stories about, you know, people that have been rude to us and then we've kind of turned the conversation around they've actually apologized to us anxiety agitation part is is just being calm so still like i sometimes get nervous myself if i'm was on like some webinars last year with like over a thousand people i remember being very nervous before and then in that in that situation i just try to be calm and like breathe for 10 minutes beforehand or even like go for a walk do something that can calm you down for lethargy i think like the laziness part of it like try try to be inspired so have some quotes or again speak to people on your team have mentors that that can help you be inspired and then last two so doubt i think belief is the big one and again i think belief can come from when when i talked about hope before similar like think of times when you were successful or speak to people that have done this well right because then that's going to give you belief that it is possible and you can hit your targets and then finally, the last one is humility over pride and, and being humble. And, and really, a thing I recommend for that is actually in your outreach, our last step of a cadence is always to say, uh, look, it seems like it's not the right time now, because at this point, maybe you've sent them you know, 10 emails, 10 calls, they haven't replied to you. But I'd really appreciate some feedback on my outreach so that when I'm speaking to other people like you, I can have better messaging. And funnily enough, that message often gets the highest reply rates because people kind of really like that humility. And there's two things that can happen. One is they actually give you feedback, which you can use to change your messaging. Or two, sometimes they actually end up booking a meeting with you. Yeah, those are the antidotes there and then an example at the end. Oh, that's very cool. That's very, very cool. We'll definitely put this into like a really nice, like the follow-up blog post is just going to look like with everything, like step-by-step. Step. So how do you fight and how do you solve desire? How do you solve fear? There's going to be like a side-by-side -side comparison. This is, this is awesome. This is really good. Okay, so coming back to... You mentioned you've already shared a bit of examples as well. You know, if we want to dive in, you work with a variety of clients. You've seen this being applied across the different businesses, right? So what are some, I guess, like really key examples that we, we, you know, that you'd like to share with listeners so that we can understand like, okay, you know, 
in some similar situations, this is how you could actually do it in that situation. Yeah, I, th I think a good example. So this is part, everything I just outlined. So this is quite new. What I'm telling you, we now have a module called Selling Without Ego, which happened by chance because I did an end of year survey with our clients last year. And more than saying, hey, you're helping with LinkedIn, or you're helping with this and that, they said, you're really helping with the mindset of the salespeople. So you've been looking into that a bit more. And that's why we've released this, this module this year. So anyway, we have kind of a, a presentation that, that we give now. And part of that presentation is a kind of showing antidotes, right? And with those antidotes, we have some examples. And one of the antidotes is from my colleague, Lawrence, who I think I mentioned before. He's the one who got me into to cold calling. And he's just like a very persistent guy. And I feel like he is very forgiving because whatever, however rude people are to him, he's still like, this person would be a great customer. <laughs> Let's go after them. He got an email last year. I actually shared this on, on LinkedIn saying, literally, this is the worst sales email I've ever received. I'm copying my colleague here for a laughter as this is a joke. Blah, blah, blah. And most people would go away at that point, be like really upset. I'm sure Lawrence was a bit upset, but his reaction was to come to me and be like, how do I respond to this? How can we turn this around? So anyway, I said, look, let's be really personalized here because your last email was quite generic. So the only way we're going to turn this around is by being quite personalized. So I was like, what does the company do? And he was like, they're an HR software. So I was like, write messaging about how you specific we can help them specifically sell to HR people and some examples. So anyway, he did that. And then the, the person replied this like huge email apologizing and saying she was sorry and like introducing us to the right person. And then, you know, we got on a call with that person. So it just shows like that's probably the worst response you can get. This is the worst email I've ever seen. And yet we were still able to, to turn that round and, you know, have a conversation. That is fantastic. And I think that that also shows like, you know, that no matter the situation, there's always a way to turn things around, even when you think that it's kind of like the end. Because I think like it goes back to like, you know, when you just get your first initial rejection or whichever, most people might stop there and then like not think to follow up because they just like kind of think of it as like, okay, people are saying no now, let's not follow up. You know, it doesn't matter. We'll just go move on to someone else. But what they're not maybe not realizing is that, as you've mentioned, that maybe now it's not the time but you know offering and, and one thing that was really cool as well like you, you talk about talk a lot about personalization which i think it's super crucial right because in this you know right now you're getting so much emails you're getting so many even linkedin now there was there was a person today that posted like you know hey here's like like seven messages in my inbox that where people are pitching services to me right and so personalization is super key and i, I love to dive a little bit deeper into the personalization piece that you mentioned you know what are some like a uh, good tips for people to personalize their messages be it and maybe we could cover it across social media, email, and maybe even phone calls? Yeah, sure. For me, it's, it's the same actually on, on all the mediums, which is that the first line on email or the first line on LinkedIn, or literally the first like 10 seconds on a cold call, which is where you got to get their attention, make it all about them. So don't be like, we help or our company. Don't use the word we, use the word you in that first line. And, you know, I think now if you go on LinkedIn, for example, like I could go on your LinkedIn GQ and like have a look. And all you need to do is pick one or two things out and say, hey, I noticed that, you know, you're in the world of outsourcing and you've been here for a while and you just started your new company and you live in Ukraine or whatever it is, those, those kind of nuggets of personalization. And then straight away, you get there, you've got the attention of the person because they're like, wow, this person like knows about me. He's not just, he or she's not just another salesperson. So that, that's what I recommend. And then in terms of the medium we seeing work really well at the moment, and again, it's personalized because you can't automate it and it, it's human. It's actually on LinkedIn's now got a function where you can send audio notes. Of course, you can only do it on the mobile app. So you have to download the mobile LinkedIn app. But we're seeing like incredible conversions on that, even more than, than video. 
And what's quite cool about it is that it's, it, I actually find it quicker to send an audio note than like typing a message. So I really like them. Again, it's the same things. Quickly scroll through their profile, try and find a couple of relevant things, bring it back to a business problem, and then just send an audio note. And often the response we get, because we sell to like, essentially we have three buyer personas, which is like sales leaders, marketing leaders, and CEOs. And they're typically like got a revenue hat, right? So they're always looking for new tools. And they're like, wow, I didn't know you could send audio notes on LinkedIn. I'm like going to let my team know. So yeah, really recommend doing those. Very cool. Even I didn't know about the audio notes. I knew about the video piece, but like that, that's really cool. I had to check that out. <laughs> well, we were talking about this aspect of it, right? So if people wanted to know more about, I guess, like if they wanted to learn more about how they could sell without ego, right? What's the best resource for them to find? Or what's the best resource to learn from? And I think you kind of briefly talked about that just now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, firstly, feel free to, sounds a bit like a plug here, but like connect with me on, on LinkedIn, Michael Hansen, Growth Genie, if you search that, I'll, I'll come up and we've got a presentation that I'm, I'm happy to share with anyone. I can also share it with you, GK, if you wanted to like include it in the, the notes of this. And I think I think a lot of what I've learned is not, you know, I always think there's no completely original ideas, right? Everything is repurposed from other people. And the funny thing is, like, my sales career has evolved a lot and business career in general by reading about books, about, like, human relationships and how we're connected with each other. And I think we're all connected to each other, right, through, you know, the universe and consciousness and all, all this other stuff. I don't want to get into, like, a whole spiritual <laughs> Hippie conversation, <laughs> hippie conversation now, but actually the more I've, I've read on that side, the more it's helped me. So I actually very into a guy called Stanislav Grof, who's a like, psychologist out of the US. He's, he's quite an old guy now, so he's got some like young guys who are kind of taking over from him. But he's, he taught me a lot about like mindset and consciousness, and, like relationships between humans. So I think often you'll go on LinkedIn or like some of these things and everyone's talking about like what business books do you read? But actually, sometimes if you read non-business books, they can actually help you a lot in business because the main thing in business is just like building relationships with others and especially in sales. So once I've understood like humanity and how we connect with each other, that's actually really helped me from a sales perspective. I love that. And just kind of just taking a side note here, you know, when we were talking about LinkedIn and we talked about personalization, what's your take on automation for LinkedIn? So, you know, Know, people might be using different tools where they're saying, okay, hey, so they are maybe just taking certain fields and just adding in like, you know, certain aspects, like automating some degree of personalization, if you will, and doing that at scale. Well, what's your, what's your take on that for LinkedIn? Yeah, I think it's, it's a big debate at the moment. I think it's a good question. I get asked about this a lot, even with our clients, right? Was do you automate and can you automate and personalize? And to me, there's like a balance and you can do both. And it's like the quantity and quality argument. I think you've always got a balance between automation and personalization and quality and quantity in sales. And I think automation on LinkedIn can work. A lot of people hate it. A lot of people have even got emojis in their names now because then if you send them a high first name, the emoji will come up as well. So it's a sign that's been automated. But I think it's a little bit extreme. I think you can't automate everything. So like, our, for example, we recommend as a first touch sending something highly personalized, whether that's a video, voice note, like I described before. And then afterwards, you actually send kind of a generic thing, which is like, any thoughts on my video GQ or any thoughts on, on my voice note GQ? And the reason you do that is actually because often they don't even see the first message. So if you go into another personalized message, you're kind of wasting the one before. So if you do that, like any thoughts on what? Scroll up or scroll down. And they'll be like, oh, this is a video. Let me have a look at it. And often you'll get a reply on the second response. And I've spoken to so many sales and marketing leaders over the years. And consistently, they've always said that that's you know, a high-performing message for them. So that's a, that's an example of a step 
that can be automated. So I think you can do like a mixture of the two where you're like automating certain parts and personalizing certain parts. Very cool. I love that. Yeah, this came across, this came to my mind because like, I think I was just checking on LinkedIn. There were a couple of posts around how some people were saying whether LinkedIn is clamp, like, you know, just trying to stop that. There's like a huge debate on that on LinkedIn. I'm not going to dive into it. That's a really, really, really good suggestion. Thank you. And to close it off, Michael, my favorite question to close off the uh, interview is, do you have a personal mission statement that you live by? Yeah, for me, it's just to help people in whatever they're doing, right? So, I mean, it's, it's very basic. So wait, our mission statement for Growth Genie is just to empower sales teams. So like, we don't do the execution, right? So we're just training them. And that's to one, hit their targets, but be more fulfilled in their roles. Because I think often salespeople like, aren't happy in their roles. So we want to help salespeople live more fulfilled lives. And then in general, I think, you know, this is someone I, a question I always ask people is like, do you help people in your job? And are you making a positive impact? Because if the answer is no, then like quit your job, like <laughs> go and do something else. Yeah, just to, to help fellow humans and to make a positive impact on, on the world we live in. I love that. I love that. If people have some thoughts or some questions that they wanted to, you know, check in with you, the best way to reach you would be on LinkedIn. Is that correct? Yeah, for sure. People can email me as well. My email is mhanson at growthgenie.co. It's .co, not .com, because I couldn't get the domain .com, unfortunately. But yeah, email or LinkedIn. Probably would reply quicker on LinkedIn. Yeah, feel free to, to reach out to me on those two mediums. Very cool. If one of the listeners, if you happen to own the uh, growthgenie.com domain, maybe you want to hit up Michael and see if you like to sell that <laughs> off. <laughs> please, please. <laughs> All right. Well, Michael, thanks a lot for your time. It was really awesome catching up with you. And yeah, I think there's a lot of information for our listeners to go through. So thank you so much for taking the time to get on this podcast with us. Thanks a lot for the invite, Vicky. Appreciate it. All right. Very cool. And thanks a lot for tuning into the How We Solve podcast. Is your sales team spending too much time researching leads and accounts? We take over all the labor-intensive sales development tasks so your team can focus on building relationships and closing more deals. We don't just build lists. We take a strategic research-based approach to find your team qualified leads every day. Ready to start? Schedule your free consultation at taskdrive.com. That's T-A-S-K-D-R-I-V-E dot com. Thanks for listening to the How We Solve podcast. Dominate your market and crush the competition with our step-by-step playbooks. Subscribe right now in your favorite podcast player or visit howwesolve.com.